And so I think the the thing is, if we want to be able to have the results or the greater results of the of previous generations, we're going to have to meet that work ethic that they had. And we're going to have to get under that burden to say, I've got to do something. I've got to. And that's where I'm at. Like, I just I've got to do something. If I'm not doing something, I, I feel I feel just I don't know. I just like I'm just frazzled i've got to be mm-hmm. doing something i got to be writing something i got to be i got to have a project i, w- I want to be teaching a bible study i want to be somewhere doing i got to do something because to whom much is given much is required welcome everyone today we are joined by nathan whitley he is a pastor teacher author podcaster and content creator Many of you may recognize him from the Dear Young Preacher posts that get shared around on Instagram. We are very blessed to have him with us. We had a great conversation about his life and ministry. He shared his main advice to young leaders. We talked about why discussions on apostolic theology are very important and much more. Before we get to the conversation, I wanted to share this review with you all that we received on Apple Podcasts. It comes out of the U.S. and it says... I absolutely love the Hacka podcast. It is very informative and inspirational. Also, I love the variety of guests that appear on the show. Very beneficial for this generation and the next. Excellent ministry and keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Lors, for leaving us that amazing review. We really do appreciate it. And we are grateful to all of you if you recommend or share our podcast with others. We want to thank you very much for that. You may be listening, but not following. Following us is the best way to stay connected and not miss an episode. To follow us on Apple Podcasts, look to the top right for the plus sign. On other platforms, just select follow. Now, let's get to the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Man, it's great to be here. Uh, Thank you for... uh for the invitation and uh, I've been following your, your podcast on social media and seeing all the great updates and guests you have on here. So uh, I'm truly, truly honored to be, uh, to be a part of this tonight. That's awesome. Well, we've been following your content for quite a while as well. And, and I'm excited to chat to you about a bit of it here tonight. Yeah. I know a, yeah. a number of our followers would be connected with you or if they don't know exactly the name, they'll recognize some of the the content we'll be talking about, but sure. Um, just so they get a bit of an idea of of who you are, I like to start these conversations by uh, getting into the background a little bit of the guest. So, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of your story uh, before we dive in today, yeah. So, um, I, I've got a, an interesting journey of how I got here. Um, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, which is just about an hour south of uh, Indianapolis, grew up in a, uh, a United Pentecostal church there in Bloomington. There's a ton of churches there, and um, spent my whole life uh, in the church. Grew up in church. Grew up in the pews of the church. Involved in music. Drumming was uh, my passion. Music was my passion. And so, uh, by the time I turned like 19. Uh, or so we, we left that church, my mom and I, and, um, we went to, uh, an ALJC church there in, 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 in Bloomington. And so that's how I got connected to that and felt God, you know, just working in me, like just kind of, you know, felt this, I could tell you all these crazy stories, but, you know, just to him kind of whispering to me about preaching. And it was like the mm. least thing I'd ever wanted to do. Like there was no way I was going to do that. I was the class clown. I was the person I wanted to make you laugh. I was not serious in anything of my part of my life. The only thing I was serious about was music and making you laugh. And and so, you know, I just kind of tucked all that away. And so it took a while for me to, you know, hit a low point in my life that God would, would speak to me and I'd finally listen to to his call. I was 25. Just turn. Actually, I wouldn't. I hadn't even turned twenty five. I'd almost turned twenty five, and I was like, "Okay, this is it. This is what God is wanting me to do, and I can't run from it any longer." And so, yeah, I started started a ministry. Turned twenty five, and started preaching in my home church there in Bloomington. Started being asked to to preach out here and there, and I felt that like I felt a call to evangelize and. 
Uh, so he kind of kept confirming that. And then I did. I stepped out and evangelized for a few years. And then uh, there's a, a whole lot of stuff going on in between there, too, in the process. <laughs> yeah. But and then I met my, my soon-to-be wife, and she's from Knoxville, Tennessee. Her uh, grandfather um, pioneered the church here in Knoxville. There was no church here when he came in a Christian school. And mm-hmm. so it's been here for 60-plus years. Our school's been here for 43, 44 years. And um, uh, I, when we got married, I came on staff here as associate pastor, Bible teacher in our school. Uh, and that's what we're doing today. And so I've been here 13 years, got a little girl. She's eight years old. And uh, we just love doing, doing ministry here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That, that's awesome. And so uh, in that process of um, responding to the call of God, how long did that take? You said you, you sort of yielded to it when you were 25. Was there an umming and awing or ultimately it sort of just happened? Yeah, it, it, I just ran for it from like for like six years. And like I was 18, maybe I think it's like 18. And we had a revival at our church, a youth revival with Joel Urshan. And Joel Urshan was like my age, 19 at the time. And he was preaching like he was a 60-year-old man. You know, he was just like, <laughs> he was just this old soul preaching. And it was just amazing. And um, and so I just never forget, I was leaving church on a Sunday morning. I was by myself in my car, going to go eat lunch with my friends after church. And I heard this, felt this voice say, you're going to be doing what he's doing one of these days. And I was like, pump the brakes. I was like, where did that come from? That definitely <laughs> didn't come from me like that. And I couldn't tell anybody that. Like, I, you know, I heard God talk to me. Like, my, n- none of my friends would have believed that. <laughs> and so I just kind of tucked it away. I felt it again like I was 22. I was at a church service with some friends. I wasn't living right. And the preacher was preaching. And, um, he was like, somebody in this room is running from God's call to preach. I mean, he was preaching, and he just stopped right where he's where He goes, God is calling somebody to preach, and they're running from it. So I was elbowing my friend who was a pastor's son. I was like, ha, ha, it's you. You're going to you know, just, just give it up, man. It's all you. And, and it was me. It was like, oh, my gosh. And uh, again, so I, just, I felt these little things here and there. And finally, when I was 25, I hit rock bottom in my life. And I knew I was rock bottom because I was not in the will of God. And, and so I, I realized what I had been doing. And I just, I said to God, I said, I'm tired. I'm just tired of, of where I'm living, how I'm living. And I'm definitely tired of running from you. So, okay. I re, you know, I repented, I got my life turned upside down and, and really, and I was, I got the Holy ghost when I was 13, got baptized when I was like nine or something, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was, but I just, it, for me, it became real at that at yeah. that moment where like I had this really repented moment of like, it was like, this, I, I can't, I can't ex- describe it other than it was just him, just me yielding my life to him. And yeah. with that, it came the yielding to, to his call and his purpose. And the hardest thing, Greg was telling all my friends all those years, Hey, I feel this thing called to preach. And they're like, you're absolutely bonkers. You're out of your mind. You know, you know, this is, and there were some like that. Others were like, I knew it. Like everybody was mm. it. We're not surprised. And then it, it, it just, it, God confirmed it over and over again. And, you know, I still have my, my doubters. I was back home back um, last fall and someone said, you're still preaching. I was like, man, it's like 18 <laughs> years. Like, yeah. Like this is not <laughs> bad. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I get it, but I get it. Cause I was, you know, I was that guy, but it's yeah. also a Testament. It's a Testament to God's grace and mercy and his passion for me. And mm. that, that means something to me. So I'm going to give him my all in, in, in doing a work for him. Yeah. I, I tell people similarly when it comes to like that big transformational moment, uh, in my walk with God, because similar to you, I grew up in church and so, um, you didn't have that like huge past that you came from. And so the moment that I tend to point to is that 16 year old, as a 16 year old feeling the call to preach and, and turning my life away from 
what I wanted to do and obeying yeah. the call of God, obeying the will of God. It's such a huge moment, especially for people who are raised in church, um, you know, who are, who have are committed to the things of God to a degree, right. uh, just through <laughs> their relationship with their parents or their grandparents. Absolutely. Uh, they need to have that moment and, and whatever that is, whether it's feel, call, following the call of God to preach, whether it's following the call of God to do whatever, um, whatever his plan is for you. Yeah. It's, it's always a great moment. Yeah. When that moment came for me, we went right into a revival at my church. Like it, I didn't even know it. Like I had been, I hadn't been, hadn't been in church for a while. And so like I prayed through, got back in and we went right into this revival and there the very next Tuesday. And it felt like, and it seems like, and it probably was uh, that it was catered just for me. Like every sermon, every, move of God, every experience, like it was, it was me, like I, it, it was a whirlwind of a moment for a week of life transforma- transforming, you know, events that took place in me. And I realized it was God just shaping it all up and, and setting me on a path. And, and here's the thing too, Greg, is that I've tell, I've, I've told people this, you know, my, my story is not your story. You know, God, God did a quick work in me, you know, he did a quick, and it seemed like it did it overnight, but it's not, and that may not be the same way for you as it was for me. So don't take my story as, well, I, if it did it for Nate Whitley, then that's how he's going to do it for me. It's not. For me, how I view it is I'm behind six, mm-hmm. seven years. I, I've lost it. I'm, I'm behind those years that I didn't initially take the call. And so it, it, it might seem like, oh, there's just this crazy overnight success story. It's really not. It's really just God does things in, in people's lives in a different way. And he fashions it and customizes it and tailors it for you. And, and you just have to follow God along that path of wherever he puts you and takes you and leads you. And that mm. he's in control of all that. If you're willing to, to go on the adventure, it's an amazing adventure. So just, just you know, follow him and, and see where he takes you. Amen. Yeah, it is. Well, many of my listeners would know you from uh, the Dear Young Preacher carousels. That that's where I first uh, came to know you, and sure. you post on Instagram, and uh, they tend to do very well as far as uh, people sharing it and and it connecting to a lot of different people. What was the impetus behind that? Uh, wh- why did you decide to um, start creating these carousels that would target people who are young in ministry? So kind of going back to that story of my calling, uh, you know, my, the home church that I, you know, I felt the call in, I had a good pastor, good man, one of the best Christian men that you could ever meet. And he, he just wasn't going to be able to develop me as a minister. And I knew that. And I didn't, I, I didn't, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a conflict, but I just knew in my spirit, that's not what he was going to be for me. And so I pray that God would would put somebody in my life to help me. And he did. He opened up doors. I did uh, a, a couple of internships at some churches in one in Indiana uh, for about a year. And then I lived in Potts Camp, Mississippi, and did an internship there where I had men of God uh, pour into me and, and help develop my ministry. Um, and and I needed I needed all the help that I could possibly get. And so for me, that is important that I want to be able to give that back to others. And mm-hmm. from from what I've learned and what I've experienced, um, I want to be I want to help you avoid the pitfalls that I took. And I want to help mm-hmm. you, I want to help other younger ministers um, to to start off better than I started or 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 wherever they are, or maybe they're. 10 years into it and they never had somebody help them. They're just winging it. They're just doing it the best they possibly can. And so I don't, I don't, I don't want to put myself up as like, I'm a, I'm a a pastor to all these people on social media. I don't want to do that. Instead, I want to serve them. Mm. And so back in like 2020, I think like 2019, Instagram took a shift where it was, people were sharing less of themselves in pictures and started sharing more, valuable insight to help people. There was a, a shift that took place. And so 19, I went through a, uh, a Proverbs Bible study and I did it all through social media. I did it through Instagram and Facebook. <clears throat> I was like, Hey, it's for the month of Proverbs for the month of 
whatever, I think it was September, we're going to take 31 Proverbs and we're going to walk through them together. Well, I got some good feedback. I thought, okay, well, maybe here's something that I could do that could serve value to a place that can be so toxic and negative and all the things that come along with social media. And then the world shut down in, in 2020. And, and it all of a sudden, for me, that was where I thought I can serve best is right now I'm at home with everybody else. And maybe I can just be a little bit of a light. And so I started sharing these little like ministry leadership things. And it kind of just went like I was I was shocked. And mm. and it what, what it, for me, Greg, was I'm talking to young preachers and young leaders. And like I've got like these older people and older ministers and elders commenting and sharing. Oh, man, this is not just for young. Uh, this is for the old. And it happened again today. And, and, and so I thought, OK, well, maybe we're on to something. And so it just kind of just began to, you know, snowball into, I think I found my, my niche or, or, you know, what I could do here in my little corner of the world of, of social media to be something positive, something helpful and to bring value to people. And, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit of light in in a dark place for people. And that's kind of what's, what's happened with it. It was kind of also, you know, tagged in with the, Somebody taught me uh, several years ago, and uh, we were talking about like church websites, and this is before the the, the uprise of social media. And it was just kind of the early on beginnings of social media, churches using social media. Um, and, and a friend of mine said, "You you've got to be where the people are." Well, I had a blog for years where I put all my sermon notes, little devotionals, and my and my like my the traffic was just like. This yeah, like yeah, it's going you know, who wants to read theology and who wants to read you know <laughs> my musings on Romans and like no one was doing it. And then I had a podcast and the podcast did did well, but to me like I was getting more interaction where the people were in social media and, and Instagram. I thought well, so for now, Greg, I'm just going to be where the people are until they start <laughs> until I start to see that decline again. We'll just see if I can keep posting carousels and and see what happens there. <laughs> We'll we'll talk about it a bit later, but you're a writer as well, so that really like fits in to what you do. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, you know, a, a little bit more than podcasting, though you do have a great podcast, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. Um, so obviously, you've thought a lot about this next question that I'm about to ask, and and for my listeners, they would know what I'm probably about to ask, and it's what advice would you give a young person who feels the call and is beginning to take those next steps? I know, as I said. You've thought about it a lot, so if you could narrow it down to just a few, that would be great. Yeah, I, I um, number one, know what you're called to, and that, and that's hard because you want to do everything, mm-hmm. and so early in in your call and early in your ministry, you, it's like throwing the spaghetti on the wall, seeing what sticks. Now, for me, it was I I felt that call to preach. And I really felt like I was zoned in on evangelizing, which I did. But at the, at the same time, um, I had opportunities that arose. I was single. I was young. I'm a minister. And what do people want when they when they see that? They're like youth pastor, youth pastor. <laughs> um, Sunday school director, um, something, something like that. And I didn't want to do any of that because I'd worked in youth ministry when I was first – feeling my call. I work with our church and work with our youth and went to conferences and taught my Bible, the Bible class and all that stuff. But I didn't, I knew I wasn't what, I wasn't a youth pastor. And I had somebody ask me, why don't you be our Sunday school superintendent? And I was like, ah, you know, I, uh, you know, I appreciate it, uh, but I just don't feel like, well, hey, listen, but this is ministry. We need you to do this. And it's really important. I was like, I just, I just can't, I just, I just can't do it. And so the first thing is you need to know what you're called to do. Number two is know what you're not called to do. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ministers, whether, you know, young or old, they get stuck in something that they, they're not called to do. And that leads to a lot of frustration, which tags into my, my next thing is avoid the imposter syndrome. And what I mean by that is just because somebody is an evangelist and somebody is a great pastor or somebody's a great conference speaker or 
somebody's a great writer or somebody's a fantastic singer getting tons of opportunities. That doesn't mean that you, that's your calling. You mm. need to know what you're called to do and be confident in it and know what you're not called to do. I'm not a youth pastor. I'm I'm not I'm not a Sunday school superintendent. I'm not a I'm not a a praise and worship leader. Uh, you know, I am a I'm a preacher, but I also feel like I'm a I'm called to teach the word of God and with that comes the writing part. Mm-hmm. So all the other things I have to like avoid. Like I I don't I can't do that. And so know what you're called to do, know what you're not called to do, and Avoid the imposter syndrome. And so that going back to that third one, uh, the imposter syndrome, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, Jeff Arnold. You know, Jeff Arnold is an amazing preacher, conference preacher. He's preached some of the greatest sermons in all of Pentecost. I'm not I'm not him. But when I was young and I was starting (laughs) out, I was like, I want to be Jeff Arnold, like (laughs) scumbags, dirtbags, you know, just, you know. (laughs) All the things, you know, and like that's that's not going to be me. Like everyone's going to know, okay, you're you're a phony. <laughs> but avoid avoid that. Be and so with that, those three things there, you need to develop your ministry. Develop your ministry. If it's being a Sunday school teacher, be the best Sunday school teacher. Be the be the class that everybody wants to go to, and be the class that nobody wants to leave. And the only hmm. way you can do that is knowing what you're called to do, not not. Uh, knowing what you're not called to do and avoiding the imposter syndrome. So develop that, develop that. Okay, I'm a Sunday school teacher and I'm going to be the best Sunday school teacher. I want to have the best curriculum. We're going to have the coolest environment. I'm going to make this so fun and engaging, whatever it is, whether or maybe it's um, running the production in your church. Be the best at that. Give it, develop it, take classes, watch YouTube videos, follow all the great accounts on, on social media. You know, develop that because we need you to 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 be the very best at what God's called you to be. He's not called you to be me. He's not called you to be, you know, I've said this before in other uh, uh, mediums. God's not going to, to, to look at you on judgment day and say, Greg, why weren't you Lee Stunking? Why weren't you Anthony Mangan? Greg, why weren't you TF Tinney? He's not going to say that. He's going to say, Greg, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? That's mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. it. And we're going to have to we're going to have to give account. You're not going to give account for what somebody else has with their giftings. You're going to give account for what God has called you to do. So it goes back to those three things. Know what you're called to do, know what you're not called to do, and avoid the imposter syndrome. That's awesome. Well, we could probably spend the rest of the podcast just yeah. diving into that and going yeah. back and forth. Uh, but I do want to talk to you about a few of the other projects that, that you're working on. Sure. You, as I mentioned earlier, you are an author of a number of books. Um, a couple of them are The Lost Art of Spiritual Disciplines. And then your latest book uh, you wrote, I think, did you write this with your wife? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, called Adultish. Um, so I encourage you guys to check those out. You you also have an expository series where you're walking through different books of the New Testament. Yeah. And then yeah. along with all of that, so as if that's not enough, <laughs> you've put out these books, but you've just started this Instagram page, which I follow, uh, which is apo.theology or apostolic theology. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about the vision behind your investment, which is as a, a substantial one in apostolic theology? Why do you believe that that is so necessary? Yeah, it... it... It goes back to you know the, the the calling that I felt. So writing writing was a call, and it was like two thousand. I had pod. I had a you know a blog back in you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight when I evangelized and I put out like, hey, I preached at so and so's church. Hope my mom reads this, and <laughs> and that was basically it. And then uh, I had another one. Uh, called A Life of Study, where I basically, again, put little devotionals out there, leadership stuff, ministry stuff. And I wrote a uh, blog series on the lost art of spiritual disciplines. Um, and I titled it um, The Threefold Chord. And it was prayer, fasting, and Bible study. 
and got a ton of feedback like, hey, man, we need to know more about this, especially coming from our age group and our generation. We hear it from the from the elders. We need this type of viewpoint from from younger people. I thought, okay, and someone said, you maybe put this in a book. So I put it in, I wrote a book called Lost Our Spiritual Disciplines based on that threefold cord of prayer, Bible study, and fasting. And and so it, God was like, okay, um, I need, I, I want you to do more of this. And I went back to school, got my degree in biblical studies from Indiana Wesleyan University. And so during that time, I really didn't write, didn't publish anything on, I didn't write a book. I didn't put anything on a, on a blog or anything. I worked on my, my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. And with that, I, I, I let, you know, God kind of work in me on solidifying what I believed in, in apostolic doctrine and, in, in, in Bible doctrine. And so I came out of that and relaunched my website. And started putting all that stuff there where it's more like theology stuff and doctrinal stuff. And, um, and, and I realized I, I need to help serve my generation. The Bible says that David served his generation. And I want to serve my generation. And in order for me to serve my generation, they don't, they don't always need me to preach. And they don't always need me to teach. They need resources. And we go and we, we've got resources from everywhere else but our own. Now, we've got it. We've, we've, we've put out great resources, but they're not our age group. Not a lot. And not the time. And so I was like, mm-hmm. we need more of this from my age group, you know, 40 and under. And so that, again, that bled into the Cut It Straight podcast that bled into uh, the Instagram stuff and the social media stuff. And... So back in again, 2021, I thought I I have an idea. What if I wrote digital stuff that was basically just theology to, you know, just, uh, you know, just from our viewpoint, like a, like a apostolic Pentecostal hermeneutic. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had somebody design a logo and I just, I just, I had a couple of things I had to get done and I was like, I just put it in the back burner. And then a friend of mine preached a few, a couple months ago about the need for the Smiths. And he really convicted me. And I told him, I was like, man, you really convicted me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to launch this. I'm going to launch this. And I want to try to do kind of a systematic theology in digital, you know, you know, kind of small bites, you know, something that mm-hmm. you can easily get and share and save and go, Oh, I, I get it. Maybe it's not this long, you know, you know, treatise or, or you know, this, you know, a magnum or, you know, just any, this magnificent book, but just digital, you know, little slides that, that defines where, what we believe and what you can do with it. And so I started it and I've kind of gone through the first part, which is kind of a, a theology of scripture and the need for doctrine. I got another post that'll come out this week, hopefully, if I get it done. And then I'll start to kind of build on that more uh, and get to where we're going as far as what we believe. But what's important is we, our generation knows what we believe. We don't know how to present it or mm. present, or perhaps they know how to present it. And they just don't know how, where's it at? Like, I, I, I know I, I believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility of the word of God. Well, now, where's that at in the Bible? So if I could serve that, if I can fi- help you see that and get it and it's digital and you can share it, save it, use it later, then I'm serving my generation. And so it's just a passion I have. Maybe hopefully, Greg, if, if God would, would let me maybe put it into a book. I, I really want to put it into a book and it be for like I teach Bible at, at my school, which is, you know, uh, middle school and high school. I would rather I, w- I want to try to aim it in that age group that, you know, mm-hmm. teenager to you know, 30 year olds where it's kind of like visually cool, but also has the, has the content too, that they can, that they can digest, but also not just digest, but then turn around and share with somebody. Yeah, it's a great idea. And I think uh, your point about there not being, I, I definitely know growing up, I'm 33 now, but growing up, um, there weren't a lot of resources for, for us, I remember I was looking back for like youth resources uh, through Pentecostal Publishing back when in my early twenties, and I I think we had like just a couple 
things that people have put out that we could use to teach other than a lot better now. And, you know, there's a lot more yeah. on offer. Um, but I think that definitely is a gap that, that needs to be filled for sure. And I think the way you're doing it as well, it goes back to the idea you had with the dear young preacher. It's like going to where they're currently at and uh, it'll, it'll fill a need there. But then if, if they're curious and they want to learn more, then they could go and get a book or do yes. further uh, research or, or go into it a bit more, but it's a great, great space to, to provide something where they're currently at, you know? Uh, yeah. I really like it. Awesome. Um, thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, we talked uh, about these different things that you're involved in. Like I said, the Dear Young Preacher posts, your your podcast, Cut It Straight. If you guys want to check that out, even though he doesn't update it. But uh, <laughs> hopefully he'll be doing that again yeah, soon. I was, I, was, I was having a go at him a little bit before we started recording. But he's doing a lot, obviously. Uh, and then we've got the, the Apostolic Theology page uh, that's just launched. You're also involved with Fountain, uh, with, with yeah. that entertainment platform, which is really cool. And uh, so we see, obviously, you produce a lot of apostolic content. And uh, I talked to, uh, just uh, last week, I was talking to Kristen Com, who's, uh, she does the um, yeah. uh, Darling on a Dime. And yeah. we were talking about the, the necessity for apostolic content, whether it is comedy, uh, whether it's, I think, Fountain. They even have someone who's doing, like, um, uh, out on a golf course and is yeah. and doing like how to's on that or, or just vlogging that sort of thing, yeah. but just creating entertainment yeah. for apostolics to consume. Um, and, and, and this is not only content that people can consume for entertainment, but also content that ministers to people. Would you mind talking about the importance that I, I just really feel like this is something that, that the, the ball is rolling. There's a lot of momentum behind it. And I think we can start maybe pushing it a little bit more. So people have, uh, I guess the desire to, to get involved in this space. So would you mind talking about the importance of producing this type of content? Yeah. So my, uh, my wife's grandfather, he, um, started, started the church, Billy McCool started the church here in Knoxville, uh, in the late fifties and from the ground up, you know, planted a church, he and his wife. And then with a, with a dream, and the vision uh, of starting a Christian school. And so, um, and Bishop McCool is a great advocate for the apostolic doctrine and the apostolic message and has been uh, always strong in the doctrine and, and propagating the doctrine to the point that when the, even to the, so he was sharing with us several years ago when they got here and the school was starting, um, uh, he was on the radio at the time three times a day, three live radio shows every day, Monday through Friday, taught at the school when the school was first starting, taught the Bible, administered the school, was the administrator, then taught Bible study on Wednesday nights at the church. Each week, they they published a weekly newsletter that he mailed out across the country called The Voice of Pentecost, and it was all his writing every week. Then on Sundays, he preached the Sunday morning Bible class, turned around and preached the Sunday morning worship service, turned around and preached the Sunday night service. Wow. Now, now tell me. Now, let me just say this. I thought of this yesterday when you sent me the questions. You know, we hear a lot of, I want the anointing of my elders. I want the mantle of the great preachers and ministers of our, you know, of our elders. We want the anointing and we want the mantles. We don't want their work ethic. Mm. And so, you know, you're, you're not going to get more. You're not going to get more anointing. You're not going to have better results by doing less. And so mm. I see that and I'm convicted, you know, he, you know, Bishop didn't have Logos Bible software and, iPads and laptops. Now he was always on the cutting edge of technology, but he was, it was books. It was typewriters and producing all of that content the hard way 40, 50 years ago. And now we have everything at our fingertips and we want to do less. And so mm. for me, I feel this great weight of uh, burden of producing content to whom much is given much is going to be required. 
And so I think we, we have to meet the level of, of uh, need that we're in. You know, information is an abundance everywhere you turn. Well, we need to make sure that the apostolic message, that what we believe and teach and, and, and live out, that it, it's, it's out there. And it's not just out there, you know, for me, Greg, you know, it's not just for me, it's not just putting content out there. I want it to look cool too. I want it to, I want it to be cool. I want it to, you know, I want it to be that thing that grabs your attention. Uh, I want it, I want it to have that visually appealing and then, oh man, our people are putting it. And we've got the most creative people, you know, in our generation right now. And so I think that the thing is, if we want to be able to have the results or the greater results of the of previous generations, we're going to have to meet that work ethic that they had. And we're going to have to get under that burden to say, I've got to do something. I've got to. And that's where I'm at. Like, I just, I've got to do something. If I'm not doing something, I, I feel, I feel just, I don't know. I just like, I'm just frazzled. I've got to be mm -hmm. doing something. I got to be writing something. I got to be, I got to have a project. I, I want to be teaching a Bible study. I want to be somewhere doing, I got to do something. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And we have to, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. The other part of that, Greg, is it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to execute the idea. And if there's anything that I can get across to listeners today is don't just be an idea person. Be an executor. Be somebody mm. who finishes. Be somebody who, who does it. You know, ideas come. Uh, you know, I've got an idea to do this. Okay, well, what are you going to do to get it done? Uh, I don't know. Well, then write it down. Write it down. Make the vision plain. You, you get it. Get it in your. Okay, here's the vision. Here's the idea. Here's what God is putting in me. Now let's go work it. It's one thing to have million dollar ideas and have a five dollar work ethic. We're going to have to have the work ethic that meets the vision and meets the idea that God is putting in us. I think He's doing it. All the time, Greg, like what you're doing with this podcast, God said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now let's go do it. And, you know, for me, the resources are, are we need it. And I want to add this last part as I finish this, que this question is that the gatekeepers are gone. There, you know, you can publish a book tomorrow. You can publish yeah. a new album tomorrow. You don't need a record company. You don't need a publisher. You can do it yourself. You don't need, if you want to start to have a TV show, you got YouTube, you got Fountain. Yep. What do you, what have you, there's no gatekeepers. So there is no more, I don't know, no one's going to let me. No, what's keeping you back is you. And what God is saying is there's no more gatekeepers. Go and do it. You got every opportunity. You got all the same resources that your neighbor has and the person next door has. Go, it's what you just need to do. You just got to do it. You're going to have to yep. do it. And so if God's given you, an idea. He's given you some type of vision for something. Find out how you can execute it and don't stop until you get it completed. Yeah, that's good. There's a couple of things that I want to unpack there, what you just talked about. One of the things that I like to harp on a lot, and it's when people ask me about, about this podcast in particular, like the first, um, so we've been doing it almost two years coming up in at the end of June and the first uh, year and a half, I think, yeah, you have the first 18 months of it. We probably had, well, we did have eight, uh, we had 50,000 audio downloads. And then I just checked, we're coming up to, well, we're coming up to in, in this last six months, or less than six months, to another 50,000. And so it's like what happened in the first year and a half has now occurred again, but only in half a year. But that wouldn't have happened if I gave up after a year. No. If I gave up after six months. And that's one of the things that I really like to push, especially with my generation, is like, if you have an idea, execute it, but then keep executing it. Don't give yes. up when it gets hard, unless it's not worth doing, right? If it's, right? if it's not what God's called to do, then yes, you need to move on. As you said, know what you're called to do, know what you're not called to do. But if God's given you something to do, then it's your responsibility to, yeah, when it does get difficult, keep pushing. And I, I want to tie that into what you're talking about with Bishop, Bishop McCool. I'm sure he had weeks where it was like, man, I really don't want to do this radio spot today. I, I really, you know, I'm too tired. I'm not sure I want to do Bible set. But in the uh, arena of content that he lived in, he understood that 
it needs to get out there, right? And so it may not look the same for us. You know, producing content doesn't look the same as a radio program or right. maybe even a Wednesday night Bible study or whatever. Um, but you're, we're called to create content in the area that we're in, yes. in, in the time that we're in. Yeah. Well, you know, for, for him too, you know, he was always willing to do whatever it took. So we went from radio. They were the first ones. He took a lot of slack, uh, a lot of flack, excuse me, and a lot of pressure. They went on TV in the late 70s. They had a live television program. We are still on TV here 40-some years later here in Knoxville and the surrounding areas. But 40 years ago, that was frowned upon in the apostolic Pentecostal movement. But he said, I don't care. This is, listen, we have the greatest message. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to just because I'm on TV doesn't mean I'm compromising. And he really Mm -hmm. pushed that. And, you know, whatever it is, whatever. And so it was the next thing. And then it was, they were the, uh, FAC Knoxville was one of the first apostolic churches to go live stream, uh, on the internet. And they they had before that, it was a, uh, a radio, like apostolic Pentecostal radio playing on their website. It was like cutting Mm -hmm. edge. He was yeah, always yeah. wanting to be cutting it like it's what's the next thing. And so he was he's not a, he was never afraid of it. And I think that's the we have to embrace technology like you're doing with with podcasting, like like we're trying to do with Fountain. Uh, you got to embrace it. You know, we can't we can't hold it on arm's length. But while the world gets out ahead of us and is indoctrinating and propagating all of their their strange, weird doctrines, we got to get we got to get out there and give them the light and, mm. and, and, and embrace it and go, yes, have boundaries. Yes. Have convictions. Yes. Have uh, all the things you need to have safety, but at the same time and embrace it and let's go win the world and mm. let's go serve our generation to the best of our ability. I don't want God to look at me and say, I gave you all of this and I gave you every opportunity and you didn't do anything with it. You know, I took, mm. you know, it's, it's, you can self-publish tomorrow. I gave you every opportunity. And here's the thing too, Greg, you don't have to be a millionaire to produce a podcast. You can no, use your phone. No. You know, you don't, you know, I, I, I can, I invest in, in my, my books and in the things that I put out, but you can do it on the cheap. And so it's not money. It's not just resources. What it really is, is time and effort and mm-hmm. it's consistency. You know, if it's not just fit, not just starting and finishing, being consistent. You know, how do you grow your how do you grow your Instagram page? You got to post every week. How do you grow your podcast? You got to post every week. How do you grow your church? You got to be there every week. You got it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And people are like, "Hey, I want to go start this. I want to go start that. I want to go do this." I'm like, "You're not here two times a month at church. Like, you gotta be. You gotta be here." You know, let's you know, let's work on that first, and yeah, uh, and so you got you got to be faithful, you got to be consistent, and you got to use what God's given you. Yeah, faithfulness is still the key. Consistency is the key. You know, if you want to grow anything, you know, in, in outside of church they call it consistency, but in church we call it faithfulness, being yes. faithful to the call, being faithful to what God wants you to do. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Love that. We could have we could have uh, unpacked that a little bit more, but I do like to ask this question to everyone who comes on the podcast. I think we've got a bit of an idea uh, through some of your answers already. But what drives you when it comes to ministry? What is it that is that driving force for you? Oh, what's two things? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The next thing is. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. So I, I want to do it for him. I'm not doing it for me. I, I'm doing it for him. And I want to, I want to, I want to pull, you know, Paul said to Timothy, I've ran, I've ran the race. I, I've finished it. I finished it. I'm, I'm, I'm poured out like a cup that's been poured out. I'm ready. And I want to, I want to be poured out for him. I want to, I want to leave empty for him. And I want to bring him glory. 
And I want to be able, you know, to for him to say, well done, well done. And, you know, I, that that's that I live for that, Greg. And, um, and that's, you know, it, and then the next thing is it's for my family. You know, I, I've got a wife and a little girl. I want, I want, I want them to, I want them to be proud of, of their husband and, and their dad. And I want them to say, my, you know, my dad not only served his generation, he served us and he gave his best ministry uh, to us as well. And, and so I live for that. I, I live for that. And that's, it's not, because here's the thing, Greg, and I'm just thinking, I've been thinking about this kind of stuff lately is, you know, you're going to, we're all going to get old and I'm, I'm, you know, they're not going to ask me to preach youth conference anymore. And they're not going to want me to preach camp meeting anymore. And I'm not going to be the cool, you know, whatever, you know, the, the, Hey, that's, yeah. I gotta be okay with that because that time will come. And when that time comes, I still want to be serving him and serving that generation when I'm at age and, and to do it well and to do it with integrity and to do it that brings him glory. And if I can do that, then I've, then I've, then I've done well. And that, that to me is what I want to do. I just want to do it well. And if I can please him and bring him glory, then, then that's what, that's what I'll do. That comment there reminded me of this uh, drama that uh, you know, Dr. David Norris, when he preaches, you never know if he's just going to preach, if he's going to teach. And one time when he was in Sydney, he he did this dramatic performance, and he called it the Seasons of Life. Wow. And he and he goes through this this whole thing, and it's maybe like 20, 30 minutes long. But that comment that you made about every uh, part of life that you're in, or every season of life that you're in, that you that you do it well, that that you don't get hung up on different things that, hey, God's using you in this area now, but he might be using you in another area soon. And, and that the race, <laughs> I'm a, I, I love uh, long-distance running, and if someone's going to win a marathon, just because you start well and just because you finish well doesn't mean that you're going to win the race yeah. or even that you're, <laughs> you're going to finish the, the race. Right. Uh, but it, it's all about those middle miles, and especially when it comes to the marathon, it's right about you know, mile 20, when everyone really hits the wall and they sort of give up. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, that's sort of, if, if you're comparing that to life, that's a little bit past where we're at right now. And yeah. so if you're not storing up, if you're not doing the effort, if you're not putting in the energy, then when you get to those seasons of life, when those different points of life, uh, who knows where you'll be. Right. You know, just because you're doing well now doesn't mean you're going to then. So there has to be that investment that takes place. I, I love that you had two parts of that. The, the first part is pouring yourself out, but not just to ministry, also to your family. Because yeah. what is it? If you gain the whole world, you lose your soul, you lose your family. Um, you know, that, that's well, it, so it's, important. And, yeah. I heard someone say, um, you know, if a pastor of a church dies, the congregation can get a new pastor. But if a husband and a father dies, they'll never have that again. Mm. And that's important to me. That I love my church. I love our people. Uh, but that's my, my priority is right here in my home. And that's, you know, and I'm, that's who I'm wanting to serve. And I want to, and let me say this too, Greg, and I think it's important, is that like when you go and preach and, you go and, and you get opportunities to, to speak or, or minister in a class or wherever. You know, I don't ever want my family to go, man, I didn't know my dad did that. I didn't know my dad, you know, I, this is all new to me. And he, you, you can do that. You know, I want to be the, the guy that I am here. I want to be there. And the guy that I'm there in the classroom with a pulpit, I want to be here at my home. And that's important. That's really, really important to me. And so I try to live for that every day. Mm. Well, really enjoyed this conversation, and we're so grateful that you agreed to come onto the podcast. Uh, I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of out of this conversation, but we do like to finish these up by giving you the opportunity to to share a final word. Uh, so I'll leave that to you. Share whatever 
God has laid on your heart specifically for the podcast. And thank you again for your time today, bro. Man, Greg, thank you for uh, having me on. Uh, it's a great honor, and I can't wait to see uh, the continued growth of, of this podcast. And to all the listeners, um, thank you for uh, giving us your time here on uh, this episode, and hopefully you've learned something from it. But I'll, I'll, I want to go back to what I had said earlier in the, in the podcast, uh, one of the first few questions that, that Greg asked me. You need to know what you're called to do. And it's important. That's so, you know, finding your voice, finding your ministry, finding your purpose in life is so important. And one thing that, that I feel like the Lord gave me a few, few weeks ago, and I'm probably going to share at our church soon, is David knew he couldn't wear Saul's armor. Saul didn't know that, but, but David knew that. Because David had, within himself, he had solidified what God had called him to do. He said, I haven't proven these, these, you know, these, these weapons and this armor. I've not proven them. And Saul was baffled. Like, why wouldn't you want to take this? Why wouldn't you want to put this on? Why would, and and I, I see that, Greg, as people want to put callings on us. They want to put purposes on us. They want us to. They want to put expectations on us. But David was like, "Nah, I can't. I can't." So know what you're called to do, uh, and know what you're not called to do. Find your purpose in God's kingdom, and your purpose in God's kingdom may not be being a preacher. It may not be being a praise and worship leader. It might be the person. Who leads up the production room in the back? Who sits in front of a screen with cameras and keyboards and a you know uh, headphones on and a microphone in your mouth? You might be the the greatest Sunday school teacher that's teaching five year olds and six year olds. You might be your calling is leading the hospitality team and loving on people as they walk through the doors. We need that. We need that so bad in our churches. So know what you're called to do, know what you're not called to do, and develop the purpose in your life and be the very, very best that God has called you to be. Give Him your best and God will do great things in your life and He's going to open up doors and He's going to bless you and anoint you and you're going to expand the kingdom by knowing what you're called to do and knowing what you're not called to do.